0: Have you today? going out to our meditators. Doctor.
1: Welcome back, everyone. This is Reefer the Reefer the Podcast. I'm your host, Little Farmer. I'm here with Rashawn Thomas, aka Grozilla 5280, on Instagram. If you want to go follow him, he is a Denver local. He's down in Moffat growing in the area 420 and he is a trailblazer in the social equity growing community and he's here to talk about that a little bit today can you tell us Gro, how you got into the uh, game
0: a little bit absolutely man yeah thanks for having me um oh, man it's been a it's been a long journey man it started off at a very very young age you know um growing vegetables with my grandmother going down south to the farm with my great-grandfather growing and uh, just kind of introduced me to agriculture at a, at a young age and therefore kind of transferred over into cannabis into the
1: community that I'm in. How did you get into the social equity? What were some of the steps that you
0: had to go through? Uh, that's a great question, man. So, oh man, you know, sleepless nights, a lot of meetings, a lot of rooms, um, just being an advocate, man, you know, it's it's a, this is an uphill battle that we're still constantly uh, uh, fighting, so it's not really of a you're in, you're in, you know, this is something that's more of a lifestyle, more of a turning point in the cannabis industry, so... You know i'm I'm living in the state of colorado they're a little bit late or a little bit slow with some of the social equity programs some of the policies that they're making some of the rules that need to be presented but you know that's what we're here for is to kind of advocate for that and kind of make sure that these type of issues are brought to the table but um i got into the social equity um growing uh social equity realm of cannabis you know i i guess at a very young age um you know being a part of a community that was heavily riddled by the war on drugs you know montbello denver colorado um it was something that i seen you know timeless timeless countless times again you know the arrests the tickets uh the harassments over cannabis i mean that was social equity back then right it was just till 2021 is when it really started being recognized So. I guess that's somewhat of a loaded question um how i got into social equity i guess i could say i was kind of born into it nice and uh, what were some of the difficulties that are emerging for you to get to where you are now i mean there's a lot of you know there's a lot of obstacles there's a lot of unforeseen uh, uh unforeseen uh, uh factors that comes and play uh, play a role in your business plan um it's just been a challenge as far, you know, you're going to have to go through the licensing process. Fortunately, I was, blessed to be at a place called area 420 as you mentioned where you know it's, it's it's a little bit cool and a little bit um you know it's not so restricted with all the red tape as far as getting the license on the local level so the town of Moffitt is pretty cool so the, the 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 lot that i bought was already pre-licensed so it actually helped me get into the industry um legally um a little bit easier than if i were to be operating down in denver yeah
1: so yeah denver is pretty crowded and there's a lot of not a lot of places with the zoning to throw up your grows or throw in your new dispensary or to get into your businesses.
0: Absolutely. And that's one of the fights being social equity that we're fighting for, excuse me. And that's the kind of, loosen some of these zone restrictions that they have these all these green zones and these neighborhoods of undue concentrations so the neighborhoods of undue concentrations are zoned out within six neighborhoods in denver and these undue concentration areas are areas where you cannot operate you cannot own a dispensary within a thousand feet of these areas or you can operate or grow so that's a little tricky right because happened that these neighborhoods that want to do concentrations are the war on drug areas. These are the food desert areas. These are the areas where actually dispensaries capitalize and grows capitalize in the beginning of uh, the prohibition. And we're able to grandfather in on some of these uh, on some of this real estate and keep this real estate and capitalize on the community as far as the culture, as far as uh, uh, getting their products sold. So, um, you know, it's it's a little bit it's a lot more foreseeing as far as the political aspect of cannabis and social equity that a lot of people see from the outside. So You you said you were down
1: in Moffat, Colorado growing, and I mentioned that earlier. It's AKA Cush, Colorado. They're trying to na- name uh, their city after Cush because there are so many growers down there. It seems to be a place that a lot of people are being able to grow. It's uh, San Luis Valley i don't know how many lots are available but there's still lots available
0: down there not uh, shout out to area 420 though because that's that's where the the opportunity started like you mentioned you know the town of Moffitt is a lot more cannabis friendly so you know the, the it's, it's it's not all the red tape and the high and the high cost to get to get into the industry and that's where the social equity part takes place
1: see another thing that i have learned and uh, heard is That the financial backing is really difficult for some of these uh, social equity license um, recipients or people who are looking to get a social equity license with any state it's it's hard to get financial backing and uh they're getting financial backing from large corporations and then they're kind of losing the control themselves just they're being used as a front
0: man and have you seen that happen yeah well that's that 51 percent of ownership right and you know that's that social equity colonists, you know colonization you know where you get these corporations they go after these social equity opera applicants who are very very <clears throat> wet behind the ears when it comes to business very wet behind the ears when it comes to decision making financial financially decision making so they capitalize on that but you know they they, they put that restriction where the the social equity licensee has to have 51 of, percent uh, of ownership of the business well that still leaves another 50 percent of of the license out there so that leaves that door open for these corporations to kind of come in capitalize, you know, um, get these areas where social equity are kind of where those rules and those barriers are kind of lifted, uh, exclusively for social equity. And they kind of capitalize on it. Uh, delivery is a good example of that. The delivery is struggling majorly in Denver, Colorado due to the fact there's 209 dispensaries and only nine of them partner, 10, nine or 10 partners with social equity delivery companies. And the delivery the delivery realm in Colorado how it's set up is you have to be a social equity applicant in Denver so <clears throat> excuse me when we're talking we're talking about si- we're, we're talking about cities right cuz that's how the cannabis industry is is kind of regulated in the state of Colorado you, each city has their choice to either participate or each city doesn't happen this- Denver is the capital so they kind of trailblazed and pioneered it so with that being said the transporter slash delivery license exclusive just to the social equity applicant. Well, that makes it where the delivery business or the delivery ramification of this industry is very slow moving and it's at a very slow pace because none of these corporate companies want to partner with these delivery companies for what reason i don't know they're trying to wait it out to see if they can't get their hands on these licenses and allow some of these big corporations to set up their own deliveries and make it explode so that's you know it's a it's a really a lot behind the scene but you know that's that's kind of what we're in these rooms fighting for and that's that's what this voice is for
1: I did hear something recently about there was a uh, reduction in tax price or something for the the delivery company do you know anything about that yeah man do you so recommend any delivery companies local here
0: shout out better Days. shout out blaze to go you know Those was, was my boys but no um yeah there was a bill that was just passed man and they we were fighting really really hard for it to kind of make uh, the delivery more exclusive to social equity to extend that exclusivity out a little bit more and that bill passed so that's great job on that Denver also did a good and lowering the licensing fee. So on a city level, the licensing fee was $2,500. It went down to $25. So that gives the dispensary owners a little bit more initiative to work with these delivery companies. However, on the state level, nothing's changed, still high prices. Gotcha. Do you have any
1: advice or anybody um, that you would recommend to uh, new people trying to get into the social equity game here in Colorado?
0: Absolutely. Start off with CSEG.com. So that is the website for Colorado State Social Equity Group. I'm actually one of the board members, our founder, Asia. Um, This is where, you know, it starts, right? This is where the grassroots work starts. This is where the ground community lays its framework. So anyone that's looking to get into this industry as a social equity applicant, I would definitely recommend uh, CSEG, The Color of Cannabis, is one of the resources. Rashawn, when was the first time you ever smoked cannabis? That's a great question, man. I would have to say I was 14, man, and I remember it like it was yesterday. So I got some, I mean, it was some freaking brickweed, right? And at the time I you know it was I had access to it, but I really didn't have access to it. But I had a girlfriend that her older sister, she used to smoke with her older sister. So she was, you know, the it, it went like, come over, um, I'll give you some and You know, I'll give you some of this weed and you could try it. So I went over there, you know, I went and got some. She left it in the mailbox. I remember it like it was yesterday. So I rode my bike over there, my BMX bike. Rode my BMX over there got it out the mailbox. I took it home. So this is how inexperienced I was with, with cannabis. So I got, I took it home, broke it up. I at least knew that. Right. So I got some notebook paper out of my trapper keeper. So I might be telling my age right there, got some notebook paper out my trapper keeper. I rolled it up. I opened the window and you know, and there it went, you know, I turned on some uh Dr. Dre, you know, and I and there it went. I lit it up, man. And it was like such the it, it was a such a sensation. It was the euphoric feeling was unmatchable. I mean, it was truly undescribable. It was, it was, it was great.
1: Yeah, first time I smoked, I actually didn't get high. I've heard that from many people. Yeah. But the first time I did get high, a friend of mine from DC had some and he told me, this is twenty dollars a gram. This is some Jamaican red. And we had smoked some swag weed and didn't really hit me too much. I guess I wasn't smoking it right. But the first time I smoked that, I got that exact same euphoric feeling. Head to toe tingle. All my pains went away. Uh, I don't know. I just love life
0: at the moment. And that's the medicinal properties, right? Mm-hmm. You, said, you said it. You said the key. Um, all your pains went away and that's what we need more testing for you know we need the government to participate a little bit more in this r d testing you know we need more positive uh, uh more positive campaigns when it comes to uh consuming cannabis as not only as recreational but as a medicinal property
1: yeah man it is a mental and physical relaxation for anybody smoking i think all all consumption is medicinal of some sort even if it's just a recreational after work calming down it is relieving your stress yeah
0: i remember i remember being young and seeing like the old heads like drink all night right like they would drink all night they would wake up the next morning they would wake up the next morning sick as hell they would go to the couch Underneath the couch was a shoebox top, and that shoebox top was a pack of white zigzags and some fucking weed. And they would roll that shit up, and they would smoke that shit. An hour later, these motherfuckers is laughing, joking, eating food, and things were back normal. So that's the definitely the medicinal properties, and that we're seeing in it. You know, um, the nausea, the, uh, the, the 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 upset stomach feeling. So definitely can attest to that. It is great for a hangover.
1: I've heard that many times and I can contest because I drank a lot in college and smoking the first thing in the morning would get me feeling good enough to go to class and it gets you up and motivated, right? It motivated me and it calmed me down enough where I could sit still for an hour and a half and listen to a, a
0: lecture which would bore me in any other way. I'm sure I mean, yo, know, I'm sure it did. I mean that's that's a challenge. That's a that's a lot to uh Kind of uh, 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 that's that's a lot to kind of deal with, right? You know, waking up off off of an alcohol uh, binge, off of a drinking binge, which is legal, which is you know not taxed heavily in the way that the cannabis industry is, which is not demonized or pushed to the corner uh, like the cannabis cannabis industry is. You know, this is something that is went through prohibition. Was legal by standards of the government, but it's now legal, which is flaunted in every commercial, Super Bowl ads. I mean, you know, alcohol is like really something that is huge in in, in the American culture, but yet yeah, cannabis, something that's a medicinal property, something that does opposite of what alcohol does um it's 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 something that's highly regulated and something that's not federally legal but you know like i you know just to kind of rewind back to what you said about you know in college waking up after that you know drinking and then having to uh, smoke a joint you know and get there and get to that lecture you know that's a lot to ask for you know a kid in college that's you know uh that's want to hang out that wants that college experience and then want you know have to go to have to go to uh to class to a lecture the next day but if this kid gets caught smoking a joint or vaping you know he's kicked off a campus or he's he's written up so you know but yet you know they're they're overlooking the party that that kid was just at so i think that's really hard for these kids yeah i went to the number one party
1: school in the nation west virginia university and there was a lot of peer pressure to drink and uh i didn't really like drinking but i ended up drinking a lot because it was hard to get a Good joint or to find a good cannabis is because it was illegal and it was uh, dry a lot of times. So drinking was readily available, uh, but it is something that helped me stop drinking since I've been here to Colorado. I haven't drank in four or five years. Not a drop. Don't even want it. Good, uh,
0: man. Congratulations on your sobriety.
1: Thank you for that. Thank you. And uh, we were talking a little bit earlier about how there was. Um, Troubles back in the day when we were trying to score a bag or something, you know, and how it was illegal and it was always associated with alcohol or even harder drugs like crack cocaine. And that was something even in small town West Virginia, in a little town, crack was crack was there. And there was people dropping out of school at 16, 17, smoking it. Some of my best friends. And uh, I ended up in crack houses just to smoke some herb. Have you ever been in any messed up situation like
0: that? <laughs> I mean, coming from a neighborhood that was targeted by the war on drugs, you know, um, they used different type of strategies to kind of uh, encroach that type of behavior. So what they would do is they would use the marijuana because they knew the can they would use the cannabis uh, as a gateway to, um, I guess, do lawful slash unlawful search and seizures. You know, um, going through properties and things like that. So. I, I think in my community they knew that they had the marijuana um, offhand, but you know it was a bigger and broader scope for what they were looking for. They were looking for other things, but they used the marijuana as a gateway to search cars, uh, to get information, or to, to or for entrapment, or, and things like that. So, so yeah, the, the cannabis gets a, a bad rap as a gateway drug, but for me, it
1: was a gateway to get out of those situation out of get drinking out of a
0: you know i never understood that you know when they said that cannabis was a gateway drug right because i, I came from the era where they had the dare you know the dare was the, the the huge slogan you know dare to keep kids off drugs and in school they would bring uh this cop and he would have this big Guy, this guy dressed up as a, a dog, you know, a crime dog, McGruff, and they would come to school and they would tell kids, oh, stay away from weed, stay away from cocaine. These are big, bad drugs, and you would never grow up to be anything, you know, and on the, on the blackboard, they would bring, they would bring these scheduled drugs, and they would have a joint right up underneath a cocaine bag. So I thought, I always found that, you know, that was quite interesting, that weed would be the gateway drug to others, because i've i've never experimented with any other drug yeah no. I find
1: alcohol be more of a gateway drug because once you're drunk, you uh, you're more accept, you're more acceptable
0: to, to peer pressure when you're doing drunk. Doing stupid you know? stuff you wouldn't exactly. do exactly. You, know, you when you're when you're smoking cannabis, man, you're more mentally focused. You're more focused on you know the things around you. You're more fo- You're you're in a better place. Your 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 mind's adjusted to kind of die to, to to kind of digest things at a different pace. You know more more slowly or more more congestively you know but when you're when you're drinking alcohol man you're just kind of spontaneous in some of the actions that you do you're kind of spontaneous with some of the the words that come out your mouth so yeah i kind of seen it from both both ends yeah a lot of people i know who don't like to smoke cannabis say they don't
1: talk as much in social situations they're not as talkative so uh
0: maybe just they're just thinking twice about what they're going to say before they say it. Exactly right. That's that you know that's that stimulation of the mind that cannabis gives you. You know, it gives you that euphoric feeling where sometimes you just want to go go to that place, go to that euphoric place, that stimulated place that makes you feel good. Right. You have that hard week all week, nine to five dealing with you know the boss's uh, demands, and you know Friday's came and you want to kind of reprieve. You kind of you want to compress from your your, your work life. And you know you're, you're you're obligated and you're entitled to to kind of you know have a
1: joint or two. So uh, it makes me feel good every time. But have you ever had a bad experience smoking cannabis? Have you ever found something laced, or ever uh, you know, just you, felt
0: paranoid? Or I I've, I never found anything laced. Or never you know, became overly paranoid unless I was smoking uh, uh, an unfinished sativa or or some unfinished weed. But uh, no, you know, typically in parties and and things like that, you know, unless I really know you or, or I've sat there and I watch you roll it up, you know, I really don't smoke behind you like in raves and shit like that. You know, I won't really grab a joint you know that someone just passes randomly and starts smoking so i i haven't had any experience with any with any lace weed but and again you know in this community in 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 this culture man you know the, the true legacy people true legacy uh cannabis consumers don't Get out like that, right? That's not something that we do. That's not, you know, we don't run around like ah, I'm a lace the backwood or I'm a lace the joint. And I'm gonna just pass this around to everyone. You know, that's typically someone that's really not uh, of this community or not genuine in the community.
1: Yeah, it's good, good advice for new people out there smoking. When you're ever at a party, just don't take a joint from anybody you don't know. Fact. Make sure you know who you're smoking with, and if there's somebody who's been smoking for a long time, got a good reputation, even ask somebody else. Yo, should I trust him? No doubt. It's just like, especially females, you never know when somebody's going to slip a roofie in your drink. That's something you really got to be careful of. You never know what somebody's going to pass to you if you don't know what you're
0: getting. Exactly. But that kind of harkens back to what I just, you know, to the statement I just made, you know, you know. Those type of people aren't truly about this community. And that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to separate the real from the fake, per se, right? Because, you know, it kind of diverts back to the corporate part of cannabis, where you have a lot of these MSOs and a lot of these owners of these big, you know, of these big brands that don't even consume, you know, don't even consume cannabis. So I find that hard to believe that they would be in tune or in touch with What's Good Herb what's the culture of it and who they should buy it from so
1: yeah that's good advice i like that so uh, have you ever been around somebody's had a bad time smoking overconsumed or uh had a bad trip
0: you know i remember when um edibles came uh, really popular. And there was a story on the news about a kid that had jumped off of a hotel building or something like that. And they, they tried to blame it on edibles. I mean, it made a huge movement in cannabis where they started, you know, eyeballing and start putting numbers up underneath microscopes, start putting restrictions on concentrates and things like that. Me, personally, I've never seen anyone outside of eat two big macs back to back and you know uh off of cannabis I, I've never I, I truly have it uncontrollable munchies uncontrollable munchies right yeah that's something that happens with new people but uh
1: once you get used to it kind of lessons and lessons but first time just beware man quick, they can't give you so quick
0: story quick story so uh, uh you know during the time you start smoke you know and, and all the the, the the smokers know this all the connoisseurs know this you know when you start smoking that first time you know you might get high you might not but Those two, three times after that is when you start really knowing like this is what stone feel like, and you start getting those effects of whatever type of cannabis you consumed. And back then we didn't know it. Like I said, it was a culture thing. It wasn't. It wasn't a recreational or a medical thing. So we had access to all type of cannabis. It wasn't on a certain market or a certain shelf. So. Make a long story short, we were in high school, I was smoking with my cousin, got my cousin high for the first time, freaking, we were in my grandmother's house, and we were eating cold waffles, cold Eggo waffles with peanut butter, had like the uncontrollable munchies, so that was a great time.
1: <laughs> yeah, I remember tearing up a couple of refrigerators in my day, especially mm-hmm. late night. No doubt. So, um, your little operation down there, what type of grow you got, what type of soil are you running? what your plans are for the future
0: Absolutely man so we're down there in the San Luis Valley area aka Kush Colorado area 420 you know doing it with my brothers out there um so yeah man we're we're Always, always, always going to be efficient in what we do and make sure that it's environmentally friendly. You know, at every grow, after every grow, we always try to reduce our carbon footprint by staying environmentally friendly, uh, sustainable um, when it comes to the agriculture uh, standards. Um, We're doing living soil, um, which is really, really great. You know, um, this is the first year running living soil, so we're excited about that. 100% sun grown. Um, We do outdoor and we do some greenhouse so um like i said you know we, we're always trying to reduce our carbon footprint stay sustainable as possible um, reduce our greenhouse gases by all means impossible and uh keep it all organic man
1: yeah i was pretty impressed when i came down to see your grow your, your plants were really nice i saw some really nice Thanks, purples brother. popping out Thanks. Like some nice size on those colas okay. and i was really surprised for the first year in the ground out there
0: yeah you know it's a native soil man you know Um, went to a living soil class uh, that was hosted by Growcast. And, um, you know, there was a lot of talk about native soil and native soil being um, the key and the generative of cannabis life, you know, and Ultimately, that is true. It's no knock on no one's growth style because I've done it all from, you know, from granulates to liquids to, you know, organics. But um, what we're ultimately trying to achieve is um, what's natural coming out the earth. And honestly, that's what these nutrient companies are trying to replicate.
1: So um, what type of genetics are you running? Did you start with clones? Did you start with seeds? Um, Do you have
0: any preference of what you like to run down there? You know, uh, in the valley, any valley with that climate and temperatures I always get to run a good kush. But, you know, we're doing a little bit of everything, you know, shout out to my man Brainstrap Genetics. You know, we're running some uh, Harambe Breath, Tropical Funk, you know, some funk runs and uh, shout out to my boys out in Purple Mountain Farm. You know, we're running some of their Colorado kush, which is uh, really hitting the dispensaries. And we're running some of their Purple Dream and some of their... Um, Blue juice. So um, we got our own line. We got our own genetics as well. So we're doing some girl crush, uh, which is going to be huge. We're going to be working with an edible company to try to do a collaboration with that. So look out for that in the future. And uh, yeah, man, we're rocking and rolling, trying to build up our library so we can uh, hit everybody with some funk.
1: Yeah, I like the idea of the sun grown. That's something I think that's going to be the future of cannabis. More and more states going legal. You're going to find more people growing outdoors because they're not trying to hide it indoors.
0: Absolutely. I mean, it just keeps the overhead down as well. And you said the key thing, hide it indoors. You know, that's how the whole indoor market kind of came about. People having to hide from helicopters or or nosy neighbors looking over your fence, right? But, you know, know, in, in all actual honesty, the landscape of cannabis is where it needs to grow outside. So yeah, with
1: you said that Kush, yeah, that's why they want to name the, the town Kush, Colorado. And uh, it is something that grows really good at the climate and cold uh, regional
0: is something I find. when Absolutely. you have. A- I mean, if you look at the guys in the Hindu valleys and in the Pakistan valleys, they're not growing in warehouses and cities. They're growing up in the mountains outside, you know, and they're putting out some fire, fire, fire dank. So that's kind of what we want to get back to not only um, get back to getting that fire dank, but again, um get being environmentally friendly being sustainable and keeping that overhead cost down yeah i think that's one
1: of the reasons that when a lot of people come here they're looking for strains and they can't find them they're like why don't you have them here and um it's because the cannabis doesn't grow here like it does in california you don't have the long seasons you don't have the same strains that will thrive there as you will here so you're going to find different strains and being down outdoors you're definitely going to find different strains that are going to be perfect for your environment absolutely Here in a few years, you said you're getting some of your own strains going, and uh, hopefully we'll look out for some of those. Oh, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. What are you doing with your final product once you harvest it this year?
0: That's a great, great question. Like I mentioned, uh, we're going to be doing a collaboration with um, an edible company. We're also going to be doing some. Live rosin, so that's going to be <clears throat> that's going to be pretty fun. uh You know, it's been a good year for the farmer out there in the San Luis Valley area this year. So we're seeing minimal seeds to zero seeds in some of our strands out there. So you know, some of that might absolutely go to some of our pre-roll market. You know, we'll just have to see. But um we definitely for the fall look forward to uh, some of this premium quality indoor flower, so greenhouse flower. So it's definitely going to be on shelves, and uh, yeah so you mentioned the pre-rolls do you have
1: any pre-rolls on the shelves right absolutely
0: now? absolutely so our pre-roll branch uh, our pre-roll brand launched uh, a couple months ago we're in a couple dispensaries uh, we actually just picked up uh, a new dispensary in kenosha pass south park so um, shout out South Park, um, but we're in Penners, Colo- uh, we're in Penners and Hoopers, Colorado, um, Golden Meds, uh, Denver Kush Club, and a spot in Durango. So, y'all go get your pre rolls, aka trap sticks. Scan your QR codes for future drops, free merch giveaways, and also new strands.
1: So, what, what strands did you have out there on the market
0: already? Colorado Kush, Wookies, and Purple Dream.
1: And what were those uh, five for twenty you said on the shelf?
0: Yeah, you know it's it's it, it's kind of really hard to say. What it depends on what location you go to. You know, the wholesale obviously is di- uh, different from the retail, so it just depends on what uh, what spot you go to. I've seen them as low as seven dollars a pre roll. I've seen them as high as twelve. So personally, I'm not much on the pre rolls. I
1: don't smoke joints. I smoke blunts. I roll my own. Uh, everybody has a preferred way. My right. roommate smokes bowls the other one smokes joints and we all just smoke our own um i used to work in the dispensary and i know that pre-rolls are a huge market for the tourists for the people out there on the go don't want to carry a bowl and uh, what
0: puts your pre rolls apart from the rest? Yeah, and you know that's been the stigma for a long time that pre rolls, w- number one pre rolls, they they all taste the same, right? They they don't have any taste, or or I have to I have to roll it to loosen it up because it just smokes too tight. So that what separates our pre rolls from the ones that's typically on the market is, is not only is it sun grown organically, but we use the whole plant. We use buds. We don't use sugar leaves or any bottom or any bottom buds we know you know any lowers or anything like that we use everything from the mid up so that's one thing that separates not only that you know we do a a method of hand pack hand grind so we don't run it through any future rollers any any of these uh hand packing uh machines you know we we manually do it we put the sweat equity in it for a better product at the end
1: yeah that sounds good i know uh that the market out there is great for that and you guys are in town or in Colorado make sure to look out for growzilla 5280 pre-rolls on the shelves so would you like to give a shout
0: out to anybody out there grow yeah, man. Shout out to, man, the whole social equity community for trying, you know, for getting this movement going, man. Shout out to Area 424, you know, making it happen for your boy, man. It's brainstrap Genetics, Purple Mountain Farms, uh, Better Days Delivery, Blaze the Go color cannabis i mean the 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 colorado cannabis business office i mean there's a lot of denver excise there's a lot of people that play you know sullivan matt matt ozarth you know there's a lot of people that play the instrument a huge instrumental role um in this journey so man if if i was to do shout out to the b for the next hour but yeah i mean if i miss anyone i love y'all
1: well, wow, I highly appreciate you coming on the show today. No doubt. And uh, we will be in touch. I'm going to have you on the show again so we can talk about this further. For sure. Mm-hmm. We'll see each other down the area 420 here in a few weeks for the what is it the harvest festival yeah, with but, heart
0: and soil yeah man we have a couple of vendors going a lot with a, a, a list of vendors coming up with heart and soil man it's going to be a it's going to be a great event i believe it's going to be october 15th don't quote me on that but you can go to the area 420 fa- uh, facebook slash instagram page and get more details yeah they're sharing seeds uh not only
1: in cannabis seeds but vegetable seeds um companion plant seeds i'll be down there with some basil seeds to give away it's the
0: harvest season right not only for cannabis but for you know for for all uh for all agriculture for all living things so let's just have a uh, let's go down there let's have a blast
1: yes sir peace thanks for coming on
0: We call him Dr. For the healing, meditation, and good vibration. For food, fuel, fiber, and a little bit of fun. See, the joint ain't necessarily the point, but I want one.